70 years here and all eternity ahead. What a, what a joy. What a joy. Thank God for the cross. And uh, there would be no missionaries, no preachers, no message to share. There'd be no story to tell were it not for the cross. And uh, we're grateful and thankful and appreciate God's goodness and God's amazing grace. John Newton wrote it right. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And thankful for that blessed hope. Again, it's a joy to be here. Grateful for the day the Lord has given us. And uh, thankful for God's goodness. I invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians, this morning and Lord willing again this evening, I want us to spend some time in two passages of Scripture as we think about the subject of trusting the Lord. This morning we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, and then Lord willing this evening at the 73rd Psalm and thinking about trusting in the Lord. These are just two of hundreds, hundreds of passages in God's Word that challenge us, uh, teach us, and also remind us of the privilege we have of trusting in Christ. Our hymn books are filled with songs of trusting Him, whether it's that initial trust, as was just testified to, when we trusted in Him for salvation, or whether it's daily trust, or trust yet that will be required in the future, uh, our Lord is worthy of our trust. And Paul makes this assertion. He also, I think, tells us in these verses uh, about how easy it would be to trust in other things, other people, trust in uh, different opinions and things rather than trust in God. When your trust is placed in God, it is never a misplaced trust. The psalmist said some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. I want you to follow with me this morning as we read from the Scriptures. If you'll bear with me as I try to read. My vision is a little blurry this morning, but I'll try to do the best I can uh, to read. Beginning in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, 
It is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. That's the first 11 verses of Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. He said in verse number 9 of our text, But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. The Apostle said the things that we were facing, the things, the afflictions that he has mentioned in the previous verses, the sufferings, the trouble, the pressure, the despair of life, everything that he had faced and was continuing to face had resulted in him concluding that like a judicial sentence passed by a judge, that it seemed like all of these things were working death. They were working despair and despondency in the life of Paul. But he says in verse 9, These things were working in me. These things were present in my life that I would not trust in myself or we in ourselves, he and those traveling with him but that we would confidently and certainly place our trust in God who raiseth the dead. Certainly if God has the power to raise men from the dead, the apostle knew that he could safely trust in the Lord to see him through. In our daily lives, we are constantly tempted to trust in other things. We are tempted to trust in people. We are tempted to trust in things which are immediate, things we can see, things which we can reach out and grasp and feel. We are influenced daily by people. We are influenced by riches. We are influenced by power. Sometimes we are influenced by traditions, be they good or bad. And yes, even as Paul mentions in verse 9, sometimes we are influenced by our own selves, to the point that we trust in ourselves rather than in God. Certainly, if anyone had a resume worth trusting, it was the Apostle Paul. If you looked at Paul's travel log, if you looked at Paul's storms that he had been through, 
If you looked at the things that he had suffered already for the cause of Christ, the things that he had been through, you could have looked at Paul and said, well, certainly you should be able to handle this. He could have looked at his own track record, and if not careful, he could have convinced himself that he had made it thus far by his own strength. He could make it on the rest of the way. Paul is very careful, however, in verse 9, to tell us that no matter what our record of success is, no matter what our track record may be, we cannot trust in ourselves, but in the God which raiseth the dead. You may be here this morning, a young Christian, just beginning the journey of faith, and you know beyond any doubt you have to trust God. You have no track record. You have no experience. You're just beginning to walk with the Lord. But you may also be here today with many, many years of following Christ. You may have many victories on the path behind you, and you may have a lot of experience down through the Christian life, but you no less have to trust God today than that believer who has taken his first steps of faith. We trust Him at the beginning, we trust Him in the middle, and we trust Him all the way. On whom this morning are we trusting? The psalmist said in the 127th Psalm, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He said, Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. In other words, he is saying that unless the man who builds the house is trusting God, then everything he does is empty and everything he does is useless. Except the Lord protect us, except the Lord watch over us, then all of our efforts are useless. They are empty and they are in vain. Commenting on that verse, Matthew Henry writes, We are taught to have a continual trust and dependent upon the Lord. And he's exactly right. Nothing more, nothing less. An initial trust, a continual trust. We trust in God and we depend upon Him. It's more than a cliche, a bumper sticker. It's more than a refrigerator magnet. We trust in the Lord. We lean upon Him. Solomon, writing in his great words of wisdom, wrote that Proverb 3, 5-6 through where he admonishes all who read to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. The Apostle Paul certainly had that and much more in mind when he penned these words to the church at Corinth. And he said that although the sentence of death was looming upon me, it looked like it had all been settled. I, were, I was not going to make it. We were not going to survive it. But he said, I see that God gave us those things that we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God which raiseth the dead. Writing to the church at Corinth, as we read these opening verses, Paul begins with a word of praise and thanksgiving in verse 3. He says, Blessed be God. And then he identifies the God to whom he's blessing as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's also the Father of mercies. And then Paul defines him as the God of all comfort. Paul is going to talk to them about having comfort in suffering, having comfort in the trials, having comfort in the situations of life in which we go through. That word comfort that he mentions in verse number 3 is a word that should be familiar to most of us. 
It comes from that Greek word that means one who comes alongside to help us. We know the Holy Spirit as the great comforter because He does that. Paul said that God is the God of comfort. He is not suggesting that life is comfortable. He is not suggesting that life is going to be easy, that life is going to be one uh, pillow experience after the other. He's not using the word comfort in that regard. He is saying that when I go through things that lead me to this sentence of death, or when I go through things that cause me to think this will be the death of me, Paul said, it is the Lord who comes alongside of me to make me strong, to make me bold, to help me to find in Him the strength that I need to continue to trust Him and to continue to believe. We rejoice with Paul this morning in verse number 3 because of the person of comfort who is our God. He said, blessed be God. He is praising God who he defines as the God of all comfort. Comfort is a glorious thing throughout the Word of God. That is who we trust. That is why we trust. Because God can give to us the strength and God can give to us the boldness to face whatever we need to face in life. Notice in the text of verse 3 that Paul calls our God the God of all comfort. The word all there means that he has a monopoly on comfort. God alone is the author. There's no other source of comfort. If you leave here today looking for fuel, there's not a monopoly on it. There are many different companies and many different places that handle it and sell it and distribute it. If you leave here today looking for food, there are, uh, there are many places that distribute it, that prepare it, that handle it, that make it. But if you're looking for comfort and if you're looking for someone to trust today, there is no one but the Lord. He has the monopoly on it. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all trust. He's the God that gives us the boldness that comes alongside of us and helps us to be able to rely upon Him and lean upon Him and not upon our own understanding. He's the author of it. He's the source of it. There's no one else. There's nowhere else you can turn. Do you know this morning there is no one upon which you can cast all your care other than the Lord Jesus? There is no one this morning which has already been taught today in a portion of our Sunday school curriculum. There is no one else who can forgive sin except Jesus Christ alone. He's the only one who can do that. And then he follows that with a great promise in verse 4 that this God who is the source of all comfort is the God who comforteth us in all of our tribulation. The word tribulation there means pressure. And Paul's life was constantly under pressure from some angle, from some source, from some area. There was pressure to try to keep him from one city to the other. There was pressure to try to keep him from preaching the gospel. There was religious pressure, social pressure. There was uh, pressure from people who were supposed to be his friends. There was pressure from the enemy. His life was constantly under pressure. But he says to us that 
the God of all comfort. He is the one who, in verse 4, He is the one that strengtheneth us. He's the one who comes alongside and gives us boldness in our pressure. He's the one who comes alongside and strengthens us and helps us to be able to trust in Him. You see, we don't have to be discouraged this morning by thinking, well, I've got to come up with this faith on my own, and I've got to muster up this attitude, and I've got to create uh, this answer. No, we have the great Comforter who comes alongside of us and gives us the strength to believe and gives us the boldness to take God at His Word. What a Savior! The world is totally void of that. The world has no one like that. But you and I do. He's called the God of all comfort. Romans 8.31, Paul told the Romans, If God, the God of all comfort, if that God be for us, then who can be against us? What pressure can possibly be against us to execute the sentence of death if we have the God who raises the dead? with us. You say, well, preacher, what if what I'm going through ultimately brings me to physical death and I physically die? Thank God He will raise you someday to be with Him forever and forever. He is the God that we trust. But that brings me to the heart of what I want to say this morning when I ask you the question, on whom are you trusting? In verse 4 through verse 9, that I read this morning, Paul really just unfolds the purpose that God is comforting His children and uh, the procedure by which He comforts us. How does He do that? How does He help us to be able to trust in Him? I know there are a lot of reasons that God allows His children to go through difficulties. And I couldn't begin to tap into all of those Now, I have met a few people along the way who always knew why you were going through what you were going through, right? I mean, they they always knew why you were suffering and why you were feeling what you were feeling. They just seemed to have a market on that kind of wisdom. I think if you'd done a DNA test on them today and checked their ancestors, they probably would show up, their dad and and uncles and all would probably be among Job's friends. If you go back that far, that's probably where they would be. I don't have the reasons for everything we go through, but I think it's interesting in this text at how the apostle is telling the Corinthians that what I am going through makes me a recipient of the comfort and the help of God. And what I am going through makes me that recipient So I can know that and understand that. And then when you go through what you go through, I, as a recipient of the grace and strength and comfort of God, I am able to share with you what the Lord has done for me. And then you are comforted with the same comfort whereby I was comforted. Paul is kindly weaving all of this together to remind us this morning that if all of us trust and all of us rely upon God, then that is not just so we can be spiritually superior to others. It is so we can help each other whenever the sentence of death and whenever troubles and pressures come our way. Thank God that's what the church is all about. That's what God's people are all about. 
Paul says something here that caught my attention here in verse number 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, meaning if there is a tribulation, there's a comfort to go with it. If there is a pressure, then he said he, he comes alongside of us and gives us strength and boldness, not in part of our pressure, but in all of our pressure. Isn't that what your Bible says? That's what mine says. In all our tribulation. And then he tells us the purpose for that. Why does he do that? That we, meaning those who have received his comfort, may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. One of the great misconceptions among God's people is that I have to go through exactly what you go through to be able to help you. That is not the case. Whatever I go through, if I'm a recipient of the help and the strength of God, God has helped me, not only to help me through it, but to give me trust in Him that I can help you trust in Him when you're under your pressure. That's the way God works. Now I understand no two experiences are exactly the same, but they're often very similar. Sometimes as believers, we can look at one another and say, I want to tell you what God did for me in a similar situation. I want to tell you what the Word of God, where I found help in the Word of God in a similar situation. And you can share that comfort with others. Sometimes our testimony is, I went through that physically just like you did and God healed me. Or I went through a grief similar to what you're going through and God delivered that. Sometimes that testimony is, I went through that same physical thing and God did not heal me. I went through that same thing of grief or whatever the case may be and God did not do what I asked Him to do. But I want to share with you how the God of all comfort helped me in the midst of my pressure. We're not here today to be spiritual mannequins and we're not here today to tell everybody that everything always turns out the way we want it to turn out. What we're here for as the children of God is to say this, that whatever sentence is happening in your life, whatever is playing out under pressure in your life, all of us know the God of all comfort who is able to come alongside and is able to help us, whether His help be a yes or a no. Thank God He never leaves His children. He never forsakes His children. And as God's people, like the apostle, we need to hear that in order that we can remain trusting in God. If not, we trust in someone else. Psalm 66, 16, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. I have preached it many times. I preached it here at the Bible conference years ago. I preached it at the school of ministry. I've preached it a couple times since I've been pastor here. It's one of my favorite verses. Psalm 66, 16, come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul. The psalmist said, come in here. If you're a man or woman that fears God, the psalmist said, come sit down here, and I will tell you, I will declare what He hath done for my soul. My grandmother never knew Hebrew, never knew Greek. She done well to know English. But whenever you would tell her something amazing, 
she would come up with that old saying, I'm sure you've heard, El, I declare. She would say that over and over again, El, I declare. If you listen to her talk on the phone, you'd hear that very often when I, as I was growing up as a boy. Well, I want to say that ought to be bouncing off the walls of this church. It ought to be being texted. It ought to be being communicated by believers one to another. I declare what God has done for my soul. And that's what Paul is saying here. Whenever I receive the comfort of God, He did that for me. He said that you might be able to be comforted with the same comfort that I received from God. Isn't that the purpose, one of the purposes of the church? Isn't that what binds us together? I really cannot explain what professing Christians are thinking when they decide that to stop worshiping and praying and gathering with God's people, when they stop doing that, I really don't understand what they are thinking. Are you thinking that you can trust in yourself? Are you thinking that you can trust in the world and in what the world's going to give you? You're setting yourself up for a major disaster. The Bible teaches us in verses 4 and 5, all the way down through this text, Paul is saying that when I went through this pressure, the God of comfort, the God of strength and boldness, He came alongside of me and helped me not to trust in myself, but He came alongside and He helped me so that I in turn can be able to declare unto you how God helped me so it can encourage you to keep trusting in God. If you're here lost this morning, I want to tell you something. God saved me and He can save you. If you're here this morning struggling, there are people that are here who have struggled. There are people here who are struggling. There are people here who are going to struggle. And we need to remind each other of the help that we receive from God. Now, anybody can get the weather. Anybody can get the news. So really, it's not that important that we stand around and talk to each other about it all day long. And I want to tell you, not everybody can get the comfort of God. And not everyone knows what a faithful God we have. And Paul said, I'm communicating that to you because He has done that to me. Last Wednesday evening in our men's prayer meeting, one of our young men mentioned in his prayer request about a conversation he had had with a man who did not know the Lord or did not have a church family with which to pray. He mentioned that. The men who were there remember that. He mentioned that how, how bad it would be to have to face this without the Lord. And I imagine you know someone today. I imagine everybody in here knows someone today who, like Paul, may be living in that sentence of death. Whatever that is that is happening, whatever that pressure, that tribulation, they're living there. You probably know someone living there, but you probably also know someone living there who has no Savior upon whom to call. You know people living there who have no church family to gather with this morning. They have no one to encourage them to keep trusting the Lord. They have no Scripture 
in their hands to open. They have no indwelling spirit within to aid them in trusting and coming to God. I understand why Paul said in verse 3, Blessed be God. We ought to thank Him this morning that we have all of that and much more if we're a part of God's family. I have you this morning. And I don't think we ought to come in and whine one to another. I don't think we ought to grumble and I don't think we ought to murmur. But we ought to share with one another our great comforting God. Our God who's worthy of trust. We ought to take the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and and we should be together with God's people and we should pray together so we'll be strong in the Lord and be able to handle life. You say, well, I'm a a very private person. Preacher, I don't believe in sharing my pressures and I don't believe in sharing my troubles. Look at verse 8 of our text. Paul said, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Did you read that? Paul is not being a complainer. Now, we all know people, too, who if you make eye contact with them, you're going to find out everything that's happened to them since the day of their first birth. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying that he's standing at the front door of the church, spending 15, 20 minutes with every member, telling them how bad he's had it. But he said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Evidently the trouble that Paul is talking about is when he was pressed out of measure above strength, even so much that he despaired even of life. Sometimes we we are so proud, we we are so self-sufficient that we can't humble ourselves and look at a brother in Christ or look at a sister in Christ and say without going into detail, here is where I am. Could you share with me the comfort of God? Could you pray with me? Could you help me that I not trust in myself through this, but that I trust in the Lord? Now out yonder in the world, they they have nowhere. Thank God we we are so blessed. I'll just tell you this. If you can't share your pressures and troubles with your brothers and sisters in Christ, pray tell me where you're going to share them. I thank God for the privilege to share. I thank God for the privilege to be a part of a people with whom I don't have to be afraid to share what I'm facing. We all are independent in, in a lot of ways, some worse than others. But, but brother, this is the body of Christ. This is where God placed us. This is the flock that He put us in to be watched over and to be cared for. Notice also verse 11, he said, now he tells us in verse 10 that God delivered him from that great sentence of death, and he was still in the process of that in verse 10, and Paul said, I trust again, if it gets worse again, he will yet deliver. But then notice in verse 11 how God did that for Paul. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. 
The prayer that they were praying for Paul in verse 11 came because he shared with them in verse 8 where he was and what he was going through. When he shared that with the believers, then the believers in turn did what they're to do with that information. Not tweet it, not text it, not put it on Facebook, not talk about it at the water cooler, but take it to the throne of grace on behalf of those who need help. He said, ye also helping together. You were a part of God delivering me. You were a part of God still delivering me. You were a part of God that's going to deliver me. You were a part of me overcoming the fact that I despaired even of life. I was ready to give up and even had the sentence of death upon me. But you helped me get through that. You helped me continue on because you prayed for me. You went to God on my behalf. Thank God for that. Preacher, how can I help this church? Pray. Pray. And I'm not talking about just some generic. And I'm talking about also trust the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Brother, if, if you see something or you sense something, you don't have to know the details. You can just say, Lord, I sense this morning my brother or sister, or I sense this family or that family maybe struggling in this area. You don't have to have a Reader's Digest and figure out all the details, brother. Some things are just common sense. You look at them and you see them and say, Lord, I pray for them this morning. That the same comfort wherewith you comforted me when me and my family went through that, I pray that, Lord, you'll comfort them in the same way. Isn't that what we're here for? Absolutely. When believers pray this way, we overcome this thing of being isolated individuals, shut off from others. We're participants in a community of ministry. Paul is clear in verse 11. Please don't miss this. He's clear that those who have prayed were vital in helping. There's the word. You were vital in helping us. Although God is the great deliverer, their prayers help bring about that deliverance. And I'm going to tell you, when you love people and pray for people like that, you don't have to have them send you a thank you card or even pat you on the back for that. If they want to do that, that's okay. But you don't have to have that in order when you see God deliver, you don't have to say, I'm the one who prayed for you. No, you do like Paul did. You bless the God of heaven because they know the same God that you know. In verse 9, Paul says, I believed what I was facing was going to result in death. But I realized what I was going through was designed to help me not trust in myself, but in the Lord. Church, God wants us to trust in Him not our gifts, not our abilities, as I said in the introduction, not in our track record, not in our experience, not even in our spiritual reserves. No, He wants us to trust in Him. Paul said in his second letter in chapter 12, verse 10, For when I am weak, then am I strong. I want to close with a verse in the Old Testament. If you'll turn back to 2 Chronicles. I want to read one verse, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. There's just 36 chapters in that book, but look at chapter 32. 
Second Chronicles. I was going to read more, but I, let me just kind of tell you what's happening here. This, this is about Hezekiah, the story of, of, uh, of Hezekiah. And you, you remember how the Lord had, had blessed Hezekiah. You remember he was uh, Sennacherib and, and the Assyrian army and all. You should be familiar with, with some of that if you've been in Sunday school any length of time. Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And uh, you remember Hezekiah got sick. Or y'all, you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Most of you don't. You? When Hezekiah got sick, you remember that? He was sick unto death. And that's when he prayed and, and the Lord did mighty things for him. But it tells us, I'll just mention these. Uh, in verse 26, uh, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. But then in verse 27, it tells us he had great riches and, and honor. And uh, verse 28 tells about, and 29, you can glance down through there. Uh, he, he really stocked up. He was blessed. He, uh, you know, if he'd have been living today, he'd have been a typical, you know, conservative American. I mean, he, he had about everything anybody could want. But I want you to look at verse 31 of 2 Chronicles 32. Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, listen to this, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. That's scary. That passage tells us, and Hezekiah was one of the great kings of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, if you ask me who was one of the best, I'd, Hezekiah, thank God for him. But everything going on in his life, it said that there was a time that God said, I'm going to allow this to take place in order that you might look deeply in your heart and Find out, Hezekiah, if you're really trusting me or if you're trusting all this stuff that I've blessed you with and all this stuff that I have given you. I think that would be a good prayer for us to end on this morning about our own life. God didn't want self-righteousness and self-trust to creep into Hezekiah's life. So may our prayer this morning be, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you in everything. Help us to trust you everywhere we find ourselves. Lord, help us to get our eyes on you when we're on the mountain and living in victory. May we trust you when we're in the valley and under pressure. May we trust you when we're in just the common, ordinary life and can't sense anything either way. May we just continue to trust you. And then for all of us who know the Lord, can you help anyone in this church keep trusting the Lord? Make, make, it, a, make it a point. Make it a prayer request to ask God to find a brother or sister in Christ who may be in a season of weakness for whatever reason, who may be struggling, or like Paul, maybe even in despair. And sometimes people need that when they're on the top of the mountain as much as when they're in the valley below. Listen to their story. And then share your testimony about the faithfulness of God. It's not about what me or you did. It's about the one who came alongside of us 
and the one who helped us. We stood Wednesday evening. Brother Mike and I stood after prayer and shared some stories. I shared one with him that's been a burden in my heart, especially January, this time of year, has been for several decades. I was in my first pastorate. My family will remember this. One of my deacon's sons got caught up in drugs and in an effort to get out of it, he got under so much pressure. And I remember a, into a, a Friday night late, much like today, it had been raining and spitting snow a little bit and just a terrible evening. They lived about down a two and a half, three mile dirt road. And I remember the phone call to come and I got in the car and went down. I remember hearing the mud and I shared this with Brother Mike Wednesday evening. I remember as I turned into the driveway, it was snowing lightly and raining and my headlights hit four or five beautiful deer standing over in the pasture. I mean, a beautiful scene that you'd have wanted to take a picture of and, and put on your wall. Beautiful. And then my headlights turned a little further and there lay a son deceased in the driveway with a dad and mom weeping. I don't think there's a January goes by that I don't think about that. Has God helped me through that? Absolutely. Has He comforted me in that? Yes. And I share that with you because His parents gave me permission to do that years ago or I wouldn't even mention it. Find somebody, whether they be on the mountain or whether they be in the valley, find someone that you can share your story of the great comfort of God. And be sure you magnify Him and not yourself. Because Paul said, I had the sentence of death in me. But he said, the God of all comfort delivered me. And He's still delivering, and He will deliver. What is it the writer said in the back of the old Thompson Chain Study Bible? A witness is one man who used to be hungry telling another man who is now hungry where he found bread. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for the sweet Holy Spirit that lives within us. Thank God for you who helped me and each other with prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege to assemble together. Lord, you know every heart, every soul that came through these doors. You know us as well as you knew the great apostle, as you knew those believers at Corinth. Lord, you know our pressure as much as you knew Paul's. And Lord, I want to thank you that in the text this morning, he turned our attention to the God of all comfort, whom we can trust, the God who has the power to raise the dead. And Lord, it is in You that we trust. As we begin this year, it is in You that we renew our trust and we declare our trust that we are relying totally upon You. Lord, we know that You can be relied upon. Help us, Father, through the days ahead that we, as the great apostle did, would not let our brothers and sisters in Christ be ignorant of the things that 
we need help with, and when we make known to them the things that are in our heart, Lord, may each of us respond in prayer. May we guard that sacred truth. May we guard that sacred information of our brothers and sisters. And Lord, may we treat it not as just information for our thinking, but may we regard it as information for our praying and our testifying to them of the goodness and greatness of our God. Lord, for, you, for our faithfulness to you, we ask forgiveness. For your faithfulness to us, we say hallelujah. And thank you that forever and always you will be faithful to your children. Now help us as we go our separate ways. May no one leave here this morning, Lord, with the thought in their mind that whatever they're facing, they have to do it alone. And help us to be sensitive as a church to each other's needs. And above all things, and in all things, may you receive the glory and the honor. We bless you again that you are the Father of our Lord. And you're the Father of mercies. And you're the God of all comfort. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.